Hey, my friend, welcome to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. My name is Lori Sykes. I'm an entrepreneur, mentor, founder of Zen Rabbit, and your instigator in saying, fuck being fine. This show is for those of you who are done living with the dumpster fire and are ready to find the tools and courage to transform, to step into more success and fulfillment in both your personal and business life. You're in the right place for stories of self-discovery, gratitude, and connection. And to help you strengthen that connection to your own inner guidance, you'll find each episode has an accompanying meditation. Now let's get into it. A special treat for you today with guest Brian Mucha. Over the past couple of years, Brian and I have had a number of deep, thought-provoking conversations. We finally decided to record one so you can learn from his wisdom and experience too. We're discussing fear, self-worth, and self-sabotage. We're talking about manifesting the exact situations, circumstances, and people you need on your journey. And we're covering forgiveness and self-love. It's a lot. This one is a little longer than usual, and it's totally worth it. A Navy veteran and former bomb tech, Brian describes himself as an intersection of Jocko Willink meets Bob Proctor. As he was running his executive coaching business called Fear Sherpa and guiding clients to harness their fear, he realized what his fear clients wanted was to stop worrying about money. So he became a simple money educator and fell in love with being a wealth mentor and tax strategist. Now, business owners hire him to rebalance their underperforming assets, pay only their patriotic duty in taxes without increasing their capital outlay, and 2x to 4x increase income tax-free. Today's episode is sponsored by Zen Rabbit. If you'd like to move away from living in a state of constant anxiousness and instead find peace of mind no matter what's going on around you, Get on a complimentary call with me. In less than 30 minutes, you'll get insight on any issue you'd like to bring to the table. And you'll leave the conversation with clarity and renewed energy. Find the booking link in the show notes or text me at 571-317-1463. Hello and welcome to Find is a Four-Letter Word. My guest today is Brian Mucha. Welcome to the show, Brian. I am honored to be here. I am honored to have you. It's oh, a long time coming for this interview. It has been. Yeah, it's, it has. And here we are in the now. Ta-da! Which is always what we have in the now. I like to start off asking my guests the question, what were the beliefs and values you were raised with? that contributed to you becoming who you have become? Well, the first one is uh, how my dad regarded grades. So A was average, B was below average, C was can't go out, D was <laughs> home. And I didn't, get, I didn't get any Fs until I was in college studying electrical engineering. So that was not a, not a good fit. And uh, good things come to those that work hard. So it's all about hard work. Uh, yeah, it's gotta be hard. And then, and so that's juxtaposed to when I was, I love the way my dad tells the story. He's a, he's a lean six Sigma consultant and he tells the story to his classes and it's, it's neat. It's neat to know that I get a little, 
little shine to the number one test pilot in our family. I used to call myself the lab rat. Uh, I like uh, I like the test pilot idea first. I was the first kid. And uh, when I was about six or seven, uh, my dad and I would throw the baseball back and forth. My dad was a huge track star. So like playing catch with me was like a new skill for him too. And the way that he, the way that he tells it, you know, as I was uh, eight, he was probably about a 12 year old level of baseball. And then when I was 12, I started to throw pretty hard. And he was doing this weird thing where he would like kind of get out of the way. And I'm like, dad, what are you doing? He's like, well, I don't want to get hit by the ball. And it's like, um, well, that's what you have reaction for. Don't be, you know, don't, I said this when I was young, I was like, don't be stupid, get in front of it. And little did I know, like, that's what I help people do is get in front of them on the ball. The, the, only the things that we fear can hurt us. And my dad was such an incredible, it's incredible to notice in that time, like that was before men could have feelings other than like rage, mm -hmm. uh, how much he really cared to learn from me, you know? And it was interesting because, you know, he's a PhD doctor. And I said, you know, I said, I used the stupid word, like for effect, you know, and he could hear it. Mm -hmm. So I had both hard and everybody's a leader. Wait, were you given a growth mindset or more fixed mindset? I mean, everything was possible. Mm -hmm. Everything was possible with my dad. And still to this day, like, you know, when I'm feeling frustrated, he's like, I don't understand. Like, you are so talented. And the day that you realize that, like, the world will be yours. And of, and of course, you're going to figure this out, you know? Mm -hmm. So you were encouraged that if you weren't good at something, you could learn how to be good at it. Oh, uh, yeah. My dad was a student of Robert Diltz, one of the founders of NLP. And, you know, from a very early age, I learned Diltz's um, uh, methods of, of learning and, and performing, you know, and, and very rarely was it an identity issue. He was very good about, hey, that's good and it can be better and I love you, you know. Wow. That's a really powerful foundation to come from. And then, yeah, and this is really the first time on a podcast I'm talking about my mom. My mom is a spiritual gangster. Uh, that, that faith, like, she knows. So the, the joke in our family is my mom is the patron saint of patron saints. So she knows the feast days. She knows what their superpower is. And, uh, yeah, so as I think about how I show up in the business world, I said this the other day, the, the intersection of Jocko Willick and Bob Proctor. And I have my mom to thank for being in touch with my heart and you know the spirituality she's not a fan i'm no longer a practicing catholic but i'm done being guilty and ashamed at my human nature uh fuck that yeah good for you you, you know there's a way. there's a clothing line spiritual gangster maybe you could get her something for next mother's day or her birthday that's a great idea <laughs> yeah i love it yeah we'll have to they're not a sponsor but now they should be a sponsor of the show there we go. Now that we, we mentioned. And we have yeah. music everywhere. I mean, all of us classically trained musicians, piano, trombone for my brother, trumpet for me, French horn for Katie, my sister, the center, not the middle, but the center child. She's now a professional uh, singer and music director. And my brother went on to become a priest and I was a, a bomb technician. So the, so the joke is a priest, a bomb tech and an opera singer walk into a bar and it's, you know, it's our family. You know? Right. Wow. Yeah. Pretty diverse. How did you get into doing that? 
to becoming a bomb tech? Like, you just was that like a dream you had from when you were a kid, or how did you get to do that? No, it was because that's not a common. It was such a well-kept secret in the Navy when I was pursuing that as a as a dream. When I was young, I watched a lot of Top Gun, and I read a lot of books about space. So I wanted to be a steely-eyed missile man. Yeah, I want to be an astronaut. I still, and I'm not. I haven't grown out of that. Like I still want to do that. So I knew I wanted to be in the military, uh, and I knew I, w- I wanted to do something, you know, on the cutting edge of, of things. And uh, I'm a high knowledge guy. I love watching Star Trek, Star Wars, and like language geek. But man, I, I love technology. And what I realized when I watches gadgets, those things. What I, what I'm really, what I was really obsessed with was upgrading myself. So that's why biohacking. And so uh, about halfway through high school, I knew I wanted to go to the Naval Academy and I kind of lost that desire. And then I went to New Jersey Boys State and I watched this veteran, man. He was a World War II guy, walker, hobble over and no kidding, like this long, bending over, picking up a piece of trash and then coming back up again. And then hobbling over and throwing it out. I was blown. My mind was blown. Like not, not only was it enough for him to serve his country, watch his buddies die, but to come back and continue to teach the next generation how to be involved in politics and, you know, good citizens. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to stay on the watch for that guy when he can't send me. That was your so I went, incentive. I went full scheme ahead. I earned an ROTC scholarship. And what I wanted to do was run nuclear power plants underwater. I think I thought that was the coolest thing I could do. And the coolest thing that I could get to outer space and explore something that we know even less about, which is our own ocean. Mm-hmm. And then I spent time on a submarine. In a submarine is actually more appropriate. It's kind of like living inside of a uh, pocket watch. <laughs> and I was wow. quickly cured of that desire. You know, I, we, I spent five days underwater. And you know, I got to learn a lot about nuclear power and, you know, life aboard a submarine and realized, no f- fucking way am I going to do that. Was, was that cool when you were? Uh, That's when I was in college. Yep. Oh, yeah. When you were still in college. Okay. And man, we were, we were watching a movie uh, with the captain of the boat and one of the junior officers, you know, a guy probably like four or five years older than me. He goes, I don't even know why I'm here. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, I'm not allowed to watch movies until I can stand the watch. He had to get qualified, you know, to, to be, to run the ship, to run the reactor. He's like, I don't get to sleep. I haven't slept in 48 hours. I'm like, you sound like a slave. He goes, this is a really bad idea. Like, I wouldn't do this if I were you. I'm like, cool. I will, I will learn from you and make new mistakes. I will take your advice. Yeah. So quickly cured, came back from that. And I always been obsessed with pushing how far can I go in my body right? with breath work, breath holds. You know, I woke up one day, I'm like, I'm going to start doing half Ironman races. And that's what I did. And like so, you never trained for one before. I was always riding my bike. You know, I would like wake up and do that's 50 one miles third of it. Like, sure. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. Oh man. You couldn't pay me enough to get back on a bike. <laughs> like time trialing and long distance cycling is no longer fine. It's worse than whatever that would be. No longer um, fun I, or fine. Oh, yeah. Mountain biking could be cool. Anyway, my class advisor, uh, Sean, he had uh, gone to the Naval Academy. He was a ship driver, so he was like in the surface Navy. 
but he always wanted to be a SEAL. And so he went to Bud's, class OIC. They told him, listen, do the right thing and get out of this program. Like, you have no business here. And he was like, all right, I guess I'll do the honorable thing and bail out. And they're like, why did you do that? We tell everybody that. Mm. And so bitter, chip on his shoulder. And he brought that to our ROTC unit. And he tied me on the shoulder one day. He's like, Muka, you need to start coming to the our, our explosive ordnance disposal style PT. And man, he beat the shit out of us. I loved it. I loved suffering through that, like kind of seeing where the edge is. Because it pushed you to explore your own limitations. Exactly. What I thought my limitations were. Mm -hmm. And uh, I loved it. it. It scratched this itch that I had. And I realized I'm obsessed with becoming part of more and more elite groups and communities and missions. So I connected with the short detachment, which is like a six person. You know, they, they take care of uh, unexploded ordnance and response stuff stateside. It's cool. It's like, uh, it's like the adult version of having a tree fort mixed with James. It's like how James Bond would arrange a tree fort. Okay. And so I started training with those guys. And then my dad, who was uh, training at Lockheed Martin, uh, the Lean Six Sigma stuff, he had this lieutenant commander in his class. And uh, he's like, oh, yeah, my son. My son is an ROTC student at Drexel. What does your son want to do? It's like, my son's crazy. He wants to be a bomb technician in the Navy. Like, can't he just drive ships? He goes, I get it. And he's like, by the way, I run the summer cruises for the special operations crews. And uh, we've never had a Navy ROTC guy go through the Naval Academy's bomb technician summer training. Your son interested? And my dad's like, yeah, of course he's going to be interested. So I, I ran that by my, uh, my, my ROTC unit, uh, University of Pennsylvania. And like, will you write me orders for this? They said, no. I'm like, well, what if, we, what if I pay for it? You just write the orders. Like, yeah, we'll do that. Best $430 I've ever spent in my life. Paid for food. I paid for lodging. We jumped out of helicopters. We blew up flare pods from F-14 Tomcats, the movie that Top Gun is about, right? The first one. Have you seen and the second man, one? Oh my God, yeah. It's so good. I keep uh, hearing that. I haven't seen it yet. I gotta go. I, I Maybe this weekend. That, that movie was so spooky for me and I was ready to watch it. And the movie that I saw was, Brian, you are a man of excellence. And you still have it in you to be at the tip of the spear. And my dream is to be living on my sailboat with the love of my life on the Caribbean, to live on a $3 million condo that I can take laps around the Caribbean on. There's a middle scene where uh, Jennifer Connelly is on the sailboat teaching Tom Cruise how to sail. I'm like, this movie was made for me. I'm on the path. I'm exactly where I need to be. So um, I finished that uh, training. I came back. I went to church. And I lit, this is no exaggeration. I lit every single candle in church because I knew this is where I was going. Lord, and I said, Lord, if it's possible, this is what I want to do with the next chapter of my life. And I remember the day sitting in my management information systems class and uh, Andrew Shapiro called. He was my class advisor. He said, you did get it. And I heard you didn't get it. He said it again. You did get it. I heard you didn't get it. And finally, he was like, Brian, what, what about this? Are you not getting it? You're going to be a special operations officer. And so this gets into my fine story. Yeah, I was going there next. Thanks. I didn't, I didn't believe I deserved it. And what I had been sitting with recently was 
I changed the game. I pioneered a new way to qualify and get selected for the special operations career. I networked my way through the side door. And I wrote it. The story I wrote for those events was I cheated. I tricked them. I don't really deserve to be here. I'm not as smart or as hard or as badass as the rest of these snakeers. I mean, they are snake, you know, folks that work with the SEALs, um, you know, SEAL Team Six, uh, you know, really dev group. And my, my mentor was a dev group operator. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing here? I have no business to be at this table. And I was the only person who thought that. The only right, one. right. Because I've also heard the, the saying, if you are invited to sit at the table, you belong there. I didn't know that. I acted that way. Mm-hmm. I had no standards uh, when it came to the way I allowed people to talk and treat me. And long story short, I manifested the early end of my James Bond, what I thought to be my dream lifestyle. And thank God I didn't get that dream. Thank God I, I would not have access to my heart. I would not be able to put the war helmet on when I need to and then use the magic wand as a wizard. Uh, I wouldn't have access to that for a long time. And if ever I ever want to know what that life would have been like, I have friends that go through that. EOD stands for everyone's divorced. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a challenge. And so, uh, so yeah, that's, a, that's the start of my realization that fine isn't fine. But at the time, you probably weren't seeing it that way. Uh, was I angry? No, I wasn't. I was the opposite. I was mm-hmm. done. I was tired. I was exhausted. And it was kind of like, fuck this. Right? For a year before that happened, it was jump through this hoop. Okay, I'll do it. Jump through this hoop. I'll do it. And about 50% of the command thought that I deserved a second chance. My first combat deployment, my chief, my senior enlisted advisor, his father was dying of cancer. And I thought about Aaron and if he was downrange working on an explosive ordnance disposal, wondering how his dad was doing and he died, that would have been on me. That was unacceptable. I would never have tolerated that. And I sent him home. Hmm. I sent him home to take care of his dad. My first class, the next guy in line, never trained an officer before. We had a huge problem. Like we used to go to ships to learn how to be officers. And then I was the first year that didn't. And it became really convenient to blame the junior officer for not knowing what to do. And I was told, you're not coach. You're not, you're not trainable. I'm like, hmm. that doesn't make any sense at all. Like, you know, I should have asked for more help and I had allies, but I didn't, I didn't understand. My technique in my life was to kill people with kindness. I didn't know how to deal with an adversary. And so within six weeks of getting to Iraq, mm-hmm. I was fired from my platoon commander position. I was relegated into being the night watch captain. And holy shit, did that suck. Awesome. Uh, I felt like I had the plague. I self-segregated. I started training for marathon. I would go running for three hours at a time to escape. I had church. I had the guitar. We built an amazing CrossFit gym. I figured out how to finance that. Uh, one of the best CrossFit gyms I've ever been to in the world, CrossFit Spiker was the name of that. And I took such delight into beating the shit out of people who made my life really hard in CrossFit workouts. Because I never really looked apart. You know, I was always 20, 25 pounds soft. But man, I was a hell of an athlete. And I wish I knew that in the right. moment. I didn't know that. 
Uh, I was never good enough. I was never fast enough. That's such a good point that you just brought up because so many people listening, when you look back at pictures of yourself or you have memories of yourself and you go, I didn't know how good I was. I didn't know how good a shape I was in. I didn't know how smart I was. I didn't know how whatever. In hindsight, I see how amazing I was, but I didn't see it in the moment. And to then take that to today and say, in 10 years or 20 years, you could be looking back at your version of yourself here now saying, oh, I didn't know how amazing all I we was. Have. All we have Can you now. step into your amazingness yeah, here now? Yeah, lesson. And so what I, what I learned, you know, that was my first avalanche in right. my life. Um, it was awful. Uh, it was my identity. It was my dream. I was so proud to serve in that way. And I was really uniquely suited to do that. I just wish I knew that at the time. It was a common story too. Uh, there was a lot of us that went through the same thing. And my uh, therapist at the time, she's like, I was going to start a support group for you guys because it was, it was awful. Anyway, I read uh, Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. And I was like, wow, what if, what if the reason that this happened, what if I created this? I didn't know that yet, but I created that. Uh, I was unwilling to compromise my values. And what if I wrote the guidebook? of how to come back from life's avalanche. And I filled three moleskin uh, journals over the course of eight years. And I remember the moment that Fear Sherpa was born, like the so what of this pain. Uh, I was metabolizing, so I, was, I figured something out how to break through the, a shame part of my story. And Talia Gershon, she was my, she's my adopted Jewish auntie life coach. She said, where did you get that from? I don't know, I made, I made it up. She goes, I didn't. Some breakthrough. I don't know, I remember what it was. Some way of Where did you get what changing from? the story or turning the shame or the guilt into something useful? Like uh, an al- like okay. an alchemist. And she said, I've been in yep. therapy for 30 years. I've never seen that before. Keep going, kid. You got something. And once again, like Sean, he tapped me on the shoulder and said, You need to be part of this. Talia tapped me on the shoulder and said, Keep going. We need this. So I did. Um, I spent you know five and a half years in medical sales. Um, I wrote my TED talk while I was in Costa Rica as salesman of the year. And Fear Sherpa, name of the name of the mission. Sherpa is the name of the tribe that lives on the ceiling of the world, right? It's a community like Blackfoot, Navajo, Sherpa can be used simultaneously. Mm-hmm. And it's also these architects, the strategists that help people climb K2 and Mount Everest. And market, if you're listening to this and you're trying to figure out marketing, that's a terrible name. I love it. Right. It's, cr- the guys. it's crafty. It's creative. It's cute. It isn't very clear. So anyway, that's, that's Fear Sherpa. Oh, okay. Because there was a thing. Yeah. There was a company or something nobody, called Marketing Sherpa. Turns out nobody, turns out nobody buys fear. They want okay, oh, I just on the other side of that. And I get some clarification. became obsessed with understanding how to dance and harness and leverage Absolutely. fear. So uh, left Quidel June 1st to start Fear Sherpa full-time. I ended on top. Uh, yeah, I wrote that TED Talk while I was in Costa Rica. We were issued, we were gifted these Mont Blanc pens. Mont Blanc is the tallest mountain in Europe. So I'm staring at the cap of this $400 pen, basically writing my manifesto and my letter of resignation. And like, I'm good at sales, my heart's not in it, right? 
Yeah, which is another point that when you are good at something, that doesn't mean that you have to continue doing it just because you're good at it if your heart is not in it. So it was part of the strategy. I wanted to learn influence and get paid to do it. And that's what sales is. That's it's leadership, it's influence, it's manipulation, depending on the uh, intentionality behind it. And I, I found myself spending a lot more time coaching and advising on leadership issues and some days just showing up with my ukulele because the stress was so crazy in these health systems. Well, thank God I didn't go to medical school after the Navy. Uh, so I left June 1st. June 2nd, I did a Wim Hof event with one of the top Wim Hof folks. I had a birthday dinner and I wasn't really interested in sitting around and drinking. And, you know, my wife at the time gave me a lot of crap for how, how come you don't want to hang out with your friends? I'm like, it's my birthday. Like, I'm going to do whatever I want to do to you guys. You guys are always invited to the crazy shit that I'm getting into. Like, we're teaching people how to transcend pain and find joy in the ice baths. And it's like, I've got a gift in this. So that was the feather, right? Of like, hey, you're probably going to need to make some different choices, right? June 3rd, I woke up at the farm. You know, we had this great party uh, at the farm. And then uh, June 4th, my birthday, four years ago, or three years ago. I woke up a free man. I didn't have to go to work. I wasn't owned by the Navy. And my wife was nowhere to be found. She had left the night before. Like this was my crew, crew of coaches and, you know, medicine healers. And yeah, she took my car. She left. I came back with my buddy, Dave. And uh, a couple months later, I would be on Mount Hood with Wim Hof. And I uh, came back. She's had only one, like it was the most single, most transformative moment of my life. I was around 65 other crazy motherfuckers and I was finally home. The reason why I had sort of felt out of place my whole life is because it was just a different, I had, a, I was marching to a very different drum that no one else could see on my. And you hadn't found your tribe yet. Never. Now you had found it. Yeah. And we had to, we had to give like a, we had to take a test. We had to demonstrate we knew the method and how to guide people through the breath and the ice practice. And then you had to give a talk. And it was the first time in public that I shared my story and my avalanche about getting fired and then what I chose to do next with my life. There was two SEALs. There was two Marine Corps Special Forces guys. And talking to civilians about that was fine because they didn't really understand it. But like to these guys, I'm like, yo, I failed. I failed and I let people down. And um, this is me. It was an incredible talk. And I remember putting my sunglasses on after I said it and wept mm -hmm. as it was like, I felt exposed finally for the first time ever. And then, man, I was really loved uh, after that. It's a sense of freedom, right? Well, I died, right? It's the tears were about the Holy Spirit, Christ flowing through it. Cause I had never said those things before. I never mm -hmm. wrote them. I never thought about them and it just poured out of me because that's what the audience and me need, needed in that very moment. And it was a, it was a death. I was beginning to leave that loser. You're a failure. You're not good enough in my wake. Not possible to do alone. No. And I want to clarify again, like it's not that you were a loser. You were leaving that belief behind. Yes. Not yep. the judgment of like, not that 
you thought you were, you were leaving that judgment of yourself and that belief and yeah. killing that off. Yeah. Yeah. And to, to begin taking responsibility for my thoughts around how cruel I was to myself. Mm-hmm. And my wife at the time, she was such a beautiful mirror. And Jessica, if you ever hear this, I'm so freaking grateful. Thank you for being my exact mirror. Thank you for the pain that I caused you for me to finally realize that I deserve it and I am worth it. I'm sorry I settled for so little. Mm. What has been, so that was three years ago. Yeah. And tell me a little bit more about the journey that has now gotten you. That was the beginning. And where are you now? Well, I live in paradise. So lived in Oceanside for about a year during COVID. Uh, Manifested the love of my life. Wrote a letter that was channeled to me from her. And the language is the same. Like, what is in that letter before we really started dating is in that letter. And then I wrote exactly what I was calling in in a partner. And the only thing I was wrong, Lori, was about her eye color. I said she has eyes of green that has the stars and the sea inside. Well, her eyes are not green. You know what color they are? They're this color. They're the same shade of brown. She is my mirror. Hmm. And I remember talking to her and she said something. I'm like, Thank you so much for uh, thank you so much for manifesting me. He goes, what? Game on. So June fourth, two years ago, I was in a Zoom call doing a financial needs analysis with a buddy of mine, and my dad knocks on the door because I'm living with my parents during COVID. He knocks on the door and he goes, "This isn't from us. Happy birthday to you, right?" And it's a cheesecake, my favorite cheesecake. Right, okay. strawberries, almond crust. And I flip it over and it says Dawn Scheipsmeyer on it. And I finished, and I like, I'm never speechless. I always know what to say. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. Well, I, I, I find that hard to believe too, that you would ever be. I know, I was perplexed. It's never happened before. And I'm like, Dave, I'm shook. Like, I don't even know what to say. Like this beautiful woman started showing up in my Zoom room as I was doing Sunday breath fast. Wim Hof, gratitude, or like a little sermon. Started showing her up every week. I'm like, I need to ask this lady on a date. And so I did. Like, I didn't know how a Zoom date worked. And uh, yeah, we uh, we would have these dates and it became the boom, boom, Zoom room. Like I had Christmas lights and I'd make a playlist. And yeah, we started dating. Wait, wait, wait. The, the cheesecake came from her? It did, yeah. 2,700 miles but- away. Before she was in your rooms or you guys had been in the rooms together oh, for we, a while and, we had, we and then been, she sent you a cheesecake. Yeah. We had been talking for a couple of weeks and okay. the cheesecake showed up. And it's not like a random stranger should sent you a cheesecake and then started showing up in your Zoom room. There's nothing. There's nothing random in my life <laughs> creating it all. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I called her and I was like, listen, you know, when you, when we first started talking, uh, I, I went through like a recruiting script because we were like in the same financial services and it was like. Hey, um, you look, you look, you look really sharp because we were on this like 800 person Zoom call, and like when I would smile, she would smile, and it felt like she was like mirroring. Turns out she wasn't, mm-hmm. but that's what I saw, and it gave me the courage to like, you know, to be bold. Uh huh. And I said, Hey, you look really sharp. She goes, Yeah, a lot better than the sweaty mess I was on Sunday. And Lori, here's where it started. I kind of like the post runners look. Zoom call soon. She goes, All right. 
I'm like, weekends or weekdays? Weekdays. Monday or Tuesday? Tuesday. Five or six. Are you trying to recruit me? What kind of job do you want? <laughs> so when she sent me the cheesecake, I was like, listen, I'm buying tickets. I'm going to come out there. You're hired. You're hired to the team of executive <laughs> savages that we are. And, and I just want you to know, like, if you smell good and we have fun making dinner in the kitchen, I'm sliding all the chips across the table. I'm 100% in. And that's what happened. How long had you known her? Three months. Wow. Okay. So, you know, you, you, she didn't manifest you. You co-created. That's very true. Thank you. That's quite an upgrade. Yeah. <laughs> Co-creation. I'll give credit to both of you. Indeed. Yeah. Awesome. So things are good now. Yeah. Like, what, like this what? journey, it, again, like we get stuck in these places or we maybe even aren't stuck. We just are passing through them and they don't feel so good at the time. It always is. It, it gets better. So in, in that idea, right? So a model that I'm playing in is the mea culpa. Everything that happens in my life is my fault. I called it in for my highest good, right? So that cures victim, I'm not a victim. And developing agency and I'm learning and getting smarter every with every engagement and every time the diamond press shows up and more on that in a second. And if, if I know that, that means that I've created the adversaries that have shown up in my life. And the crazy awesome thing about that is they love, they love me. And I've never talked about mm -hmm. this on a podcast before, but I've gone down to the deep, end of the rabbit hole of breathwork to the, mm -hmm. to the point where it becomes psychedelic actually. And I can pass mm -hmm. practice dying actually in a way that it feels like a hug, just like, like uh, grass kind of pulling the veil across my face, you know? And one of these breath sessions, I met the devil. I grew up Catholic. Like that's probably not a great place to be. Right. <laughs> you're the devil. You're going to go to hell. You're going to, it's uh, one of the greatest enslavement tools that we have is the fear of whatever the thing is. Do this or else. Yes. So I'm in this, I'm in this space with the devil and my brain is like, get the fuck out of there. Get off the X. And my heart was like, but he loves you. And I was confused and intrigued. Of course. And I fell into that and the devil smiled and I could feel like a Care Bear stare of love, like, like right through my heart. And he goes, Brian, the reason that I've been so hard on you is because I love you. I'm still going to fuck with you. Right? And I said to him, you better bring it, you son of a bitch. Kind of like how guys give each other shit in the locker room type deal. All right. Devil went down to Georgia. Get out here. Yeah, he was looking for a soul to steal. <laughs> he was looking for a soul to give the contrast of free will to. And I think secretly roots for us to choose oneness our divinity to remember that we get to co-create. I love that word. I love that idea. I love that alignment with the infinite. Mm -hmm. And so because I experienced so much scarcity, it increased my capacity to be with so much abundance, right? Yes. Because if you don't know the one side, how do you know the other side? Paul Check says, if you would like your branches of your tree to grow to heaven, your roots must first grow through hell. Mm. I pay the price. There's nothing for free. So good. And 99% of everything that manifests that we, we don't create it. We come up to its vibration. 
we see it in the imagination first. Like literally everything you look at, like if you're, as you're listening to this, turn to your left, the first thing you see, that was in somebody's imagination before it became in the three. Absolutely. Literally everything. Right. Our whole life can be like that. And so as I'm with the devil, he, 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 go, he takes a couple steps and then he, then he turns around and he goes, congratulations, you just faced your demon. And by the way, you need to let go of your shame and guilt um, for where you're going. You, it doesn't serve you anymore. Let go of it. Was that before or after the experience of sharing with those people the first time when you shared up on, on the mountain? Oh, that was, that was about a year later, okay. actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been, a, it's been a progression for sure. Yeah. Wow. And, and I want to share the other, and I want to share the reason I'm on your podcast and it's to connect with you, the listener. I was taken to this beautiful Vista and imagine like diamonds and Aurora Borealis, like the most beautiful thing you can think of. That's what it was for me. And my crystal goddess in this, in this vision, she shared, this is yours. This is your secret spot. But if you'd like to have the life of your dreams, you must share this. I'm sharing with you what I saw, what I've experienced. And thank you for listening and holding space for me as I close the loop on the hell to now enjoy the Garden of Eden now. It's a wonderful life now. My, my buddy Ryan Wall is writing that book as we speak. And in the words of Ernest Hemingway, if we'd like to write interesting things, we must live interesting things. Mm-hmm. And so now from the first book, Your Secret Superpower, Tame Fear, Thrive, the from doubtful, that's actually what I suffered from. It wasn't fear. I thought it was, but it isn't. Doubt. I doubted I deserved it. I settled for so little for myself and a lot of forgiveness was needed. How cruel I was to me, uh, how little I valued myself. And so the book now is from doubtful to dangerous. This is a very dangerous conversation because we're teaching and showing the blueprint. I can't do this for you. I can show you where the landmines are and what the steps are to take control of your thoughts. Thought control is everything. You know, that's one of the secrets of Steve Jobs. The 97% of our thoughts are repetitive. They're a habit. You're not good enough. You don't deserve enough, right? So I want you guys to take three deep breaths with me right this second. And this is brand new technology. I'm so stoked to share this with All you. All right. So let's do this. Let's take three this breaths This is a great together. way to, you know, to kind of sort of wrap it up. Let's go. So, so we're going to breathe in and then we're just going to let go, like just fold into the exhale. So do three. And then after the third one, I want you to just check in with what your thoughts were and what they are now. So let's do three and we'll check in with the thoughts. All right. So fully in, let go again. This time breathe in and hold it with a smile and now let go. I was thinking about how much time we have left and like rushing, right? To be mindful of your time and those things. And what do I want more of? I want to be more now. Right. I want to be right now. And though I'm right where I'm supposed to be, I'm like exactly who needs to be here now. And if I could spend 51% of the time in the I'm enough right now, pleasure, Mm -hmm. enoughness, gratitude, 
51% of the time, whole life changes. Not just mine, but the people who get to feel that. That's the so what of all of it. Yeah, right. It's it's a, a radiating out. Breathe in, do nothing. That's hard for a lot of people. Challenge. Do nothing. You already have it all. <sighs> or breathe in and find something to look at. Like, wow, that tree is beautiful. Yeah. Do nothing. And then, you know, if you're in your car or you have a mirror nearby, breathe in. <sighs> I'm beautiful. Yeah. Try that exercise of not try, do that exercise. If you struggle with weight loss, the reps are great. The nutrition's great. But if you don't love yourself and can't forgive, you will be heavy because you're heavy. It's part of your identity. And when you change your identity yeah. and find love for yourself, not just in, in that regard, in every regard, everything changes. Everything changes. You have in some ways, in many ways, come full circle. So you're still diffusing bombs, just different ones. I remember the first time public, and I received that, I graciously received that. Now guys, I say that out loud because this little demon that's sometimes in here says, yeah, right. Right. The thought is, yeah, right. But when I speak it out loud, I can take it in. The spoken word is 60 times more powerful than anything you can speak. So that means if you say I suck, I'm not worth it. Right. That's three times more powerful than anything positive you can say. So choose your words wisely. There's a passage in the Bible. It's Mark 12, verse 36. We will be judged by our careless language. Don't sell yourself short. Yeah. So remember, you were made in his image and likeness. You are a miracle. And every time your heartbeat, it's the most efficient pump we know of. And it's one of the coolest energetic devices. Thank you, Joe Dispenza, for what we're able to do with quantum mechanics and dual pointing and sending very complex messages and feelings without time and without respect to distance. You have that. And it was a gift from your parents. You didn't do anything to deserve it. Nothing. And yet you get it all. And that's, that's kind of how I think life works now. You don't need to deserve it. It's already yours. Yeah, you already are You're already Just by virtue of being. That, and that was the big lie. That was the big lie. Eat of this fruit, something outside of you, if you want to know what I know, right? If you want to know what God knows. We, and then Jesus said, we do not live by bread alone, but by the very word of the Father, right? That's that consciousness that flows forth like a, like a spring. And just remember, that's already happening. There's nothing to do, just a lot to, a lot to forget, right? Our conditioning, yeah. your not enoughness. It's a lie. It's blasphemy, right. actually. And remembering the truth. Yeah. Brian, I knew this conversation was going to be as good as it has been. Because we just always, we have, Brian and I have had these conversations before. We just haven't recorded them. Not the same conversation, different stuff. But it's always so enlightening. Mm. And I'm so grateful for you coming on today to share this with, with my listeners. Before we go, I got to ask, what's your hype song? What's the song? I mean, I know you're into being chill and to being. And when you want to raise your vibration even more with music, because there are lots of ways to raise vibration, but when you want to do it with music, what's the song you listen to? It's a beautiful day. 
You too. I play that on the ukulele uh, every day now. I love it. It's my current, my current jam. Very cool. And if other people want to continue this conversation with you, what's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, Instagram, Brian J. Muka. Uh, click my link tree. You can schedule time with me. I've got resources. You can order my book, uh, Your Secret Superpower. I really want to share that with you. I wrote it for you. Um, there, it's there. And then I also a uh, fair amount on, on LinkedIn too. So those are my two, my two spots. I'd love to chat with you and you know, your network is my network and vice versa. How can I show up in service and connect ideas and people and you deserve a breakthrough. You do. And you just need a blueprint. I can't do it for you. That doesn't honor you. And it's already yours if you want it. So come and see. Awesome. I will put links to that in to, to your links to your links in the show notes. Right on. Thanks again for joining me on fine is a four letter word, Brian. Oh, so good to not be fine. Wow. That was some conversation, eh? Like I said, Brian and I get into these kinds of conversations every time we talk. I always walk away with ideas to think about for days. Hopefully you have a lot to marinate in now too. Here are some key takeaways. They say hindsight is 2020, but shifting things into perspective can help adjust today's focus. When Brian got fired from his platoon commander position, he constantly felt like he was never good enough. Decades later, he looks back at that moment, wishing he knew how skilled and capable he actually was. 20 years from today, what do you think you'll admire of your current self? Recognize your true qualities and start owning that greatness. Number two, looking back again, Brian realized how unfair and cruel he was being to himself, and he vowed to start taking responsibility for his thoughts. Make healthier choices by not allowing yourself to persistently get stuck in those self-deprecating notions. After all, the thoughts you have are a habit. And like any habit, you can train yourself to learn new patterns that work toward your well-being instead of against it. Number three, finding a community where you can belong can be inspiring and empowering. Settling for anything less limits your true potential. Brian's life changed when he found his tribe. Being around like-minded individuals who support you and encourage you to grow is a way of respecting, celebrating, and honoring who you really are. Number four, choose your words wisely. Everything you say out loud is three times more powerful than anything you can think. Speaking the truth also means being fair to yourself, not selling yourself short or overemphasizing your flaws, and accepting when others give you a compliment instead of pushing back or dismissing them. And number five, when you find yourself doubting your skills or having a hard time accepting your accomplishments, remember, you are deserving just by virtue of being. Lastly, Brian mentioned his book, Your Secret Superpower. Find a link to buy that in the show notes. Thanks for being here and subscribing to Fine is a Four-Letter Word. Please share this show with a friend or a colleague. If you're feeling especially generous, leave a review so other people like you can discover the show too. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Stitcher, and all the major podcast directories. 
You can join me on social too. On Instagram, it's zen underscore rabbit. You can find links to the other platforms at zenrabbit.com. Before you go, remember to take a moment to think about what you're grateful for today. Lastly, you can find this week's meditation queued up right after this episode. And if no one's told you this week, I'm proud of you. Take good care.